welcome to the Hypermobility Happy Hour podcast, the first podcast exclusively dedicated to discussing hypermobility conditions, including hypermobile Ehlers-Danlos Syndrome. I'm Carrie, your host, and I've been diagnosed with HEDS, MCATS, POTS, and a variety of other related conditions. This episode is a continuation of our series with Dr. Pradeep Chopra, whose credentials are in the past episodes. Feel free to check those out, as well as in the episode description notes for this episode. On this episode, Dr. Chopra is talking about headaches and their various causes and how to diagnose various issues when it comes to headaches in hypermobility conditions, and we hope you enjoy. Here it is. Um, and, and to that point, um, let's start going through some of the specifics. So even though there's many issues associated with connective tissue disorders that are related, um, like head, neck, and back pain can certainly be re- very re- interrelated to each other. Um, but for clarity, let's start at the top with the head. Um, what have you observed in treating patients with headaches, um, particularly your patients with hypermobility conditions and EDS? Um. Usually, so headaches is a common issue among patients with EDS. And um, so if you take out the more common causes and you stick to the more uh, more EDS causes or the more exotic causes, um, the most common ones are uh, migraines. Um, migraines are common in women as compared to men in general. And symptoms of EDS are more common in women as compared to men. But despite those statistics, uh, migraines are more common in EDS. That has been shown again and again. I'm going to pick up. So I think the best way would be to uh, pick one condition, one cause, go through it, including some treatments, and then move on to the next one. Is that okay? Okay. So with migraines, there's, um, there's, be careful about the diagnosis of migraine. There's a very specific, uh, a, a bad headache is not a migraine. Migraine has certain characteristics, and it's usually one-sided. It is throbbing. It almost looks like somebody's putting a knife through your eye. Um, and I completely agree with that statement because I have migraines, um, so I know what exactly it feels like. So it's usually one-sided. It comes on suddenly, and it's it's an intense throbbing sensation um, behind the eye. Uh, the good news about migraines is that some of, there have been there's a whole new class of medicines that have come out drugs that have come out that are called CGRP antagonists C calcitonin gene related peptide or CGRP antagonists that are amazing for treatment of migraines and I and I think that eventually um, this class of drugs is going to become more helpful is going to get approved for other pain conditions, specifically nerve pain conditions. Uh, but that's, and it, that that research is not far off. But it for now, it's only been approved for migraines. Uh, the, the class of CGRP antagonists uh, come, in three, uh, come in different types. They come as injections once a month. They come in injections once in three months, and then they come as pills. Obviously, uh, I prefer the pill. Um, and these CGRP antagonists uh, have almost no side effects. The problem with the old migraine medicines like the triptans, Emitrex, Frovatriptan, um, and Maxalt, and all of these condition, uh, drugs, the problem used to be that 
you feel extremely tired and lethargic after that. It relieves your headache, your migraine, but it would make you very, and your day was wasted anyway. But with the CGRP antagonists, you don't get that anymore. And some of the brands that are out there are Nurtec, N-U-R-T-E-C, Nurtec. Um, I, I don't have the generic name. They're really tough. Um, there's another one called Obrelvi, U-B-R-E-L-V-Y. Um, these are the two, these are pills. And they they are approved both for acute migraines as well as as a, as a preventative. So that's the good news about migraines. <clears throat> but also remember that my most people who have NEDS have headaches, have different reasons for having headaches. And oftentimes you can list about four or five different reasons. Um, let's say somebody has, an, a patient with EDS has migraines, may also have um, headaches from, uh, let's say they have headaches from temporomandibular joint dysfunction, their TMJ. The TMJ will trigger a headache, which will then trigger a migraine. So treating the migraine is one thing, but treating the TMJ problem is also going to help the migraine headache. That's the, that's the link here. So other headaches, other types of headaches can trigger a migraine. Pretty sure people are looking at listening to this and tuning out. Uh, Chiari malformation is another uh, reason for headaches. Chiari malformation basically means that we have a hole at the bottom of our skull, okay? And through this through this hole, our brain comes out and it goes and becomes a spinal cord. From then on, it's called a spinal cord. And it goes down the spine. But in Chiari malformation, for whatever reason, um, with the brain starts to push through this hole at the bottom of the skull and it compresses uh, that part of the brain. Now that part of the brain is called the brain stem. So the brain stem gets compressed. A part of the brain called the cerebellum also gets compressed. And cerebellum is, is the part that controls coordination, movement, balance, so these people don't have really good coordination, balance. Uh, uh, they also have brainstem issues. And one of the brainstem issues is that they can have POTS. So there are different reasons why people have POTS. And this is one of the reasons why they can have POTS from Chiari malformation. But here's the thing. I'm sorry, Chiari, oh, yeah, you said, said something? That makes a lot of sense. Okay. Um, the other, other, other thing with Chiari malformation is that there's a fluid that flows around our brain and spinal cord. It, it sort of floats. Our brain floats in this, in this fluid. It looks like water. And it's called CSF. And the reason it floats is because it's like a buffer. It's like a cushion. It's like a shock absorber. And also, it also provides nutrition to different parts of the spinal cord and the brain. Now, that fluid is produced in the brain and it then flows out into the spinal down through the same very hole it passes passes down into the spinal cord now if you plug this hole if the brain starts to poke through this hole it plugs it and when it plugs it then this then there's no more csf flow it's getting blocked and it backs up in the brain and so these people have increased intracranial pressure headaches. That means the pressure inside their head increases. And I'll get to that increased pressure a little later. 
So they have intense headaches um, because of increased pressure. They have poor balance. They have poor coordination. Uh, they have symptoms of POTS. So these are some of the symptoms that you will see in carry malformation. Uh, the diagnosis is based on having an upright MRI. Um, the reason being an upright is because uh, <clears throat> in, in patients with EDS, there is something called cranial settling. That means the entire skull sort of settles down on your neck when you stand because there's really not many ligaments that hold the head and the spine in place. So the skull sort of settles down. And that's called cranial settling. And that's when carry malformation shows up a lot more prominently. Um, <clears throat> these are these are upright MRIs. And <clears throat> it's, it's kind of, you know, there are places where you can find it. And then there are places you don't have too many places that don't find it. Um, but getting an upright MRI is really important in this case. I mean, it's critical in this case. If you... You know, if you walk like a duck, you talk like a duck, and then it has to be carrying malformation. That if you have all of those symptoms, poor balance, poor coordination, intense headaches, uh, like your skull is going to um, burst open, uh, and then you are constantly lightheaded and your heart rate is high, you have symptoms of POTS, sounds like a carrying malformation, then, it, then that's when you start investigating it. But a supine MRI may not look, may not find it. Other reasons for the next reason for headaches is uh, cervic, what's called cervicogenic headaches or tension type headaches. So think of your head um, is, as being a big ball that is balanced on a on a spine on a pointy stick, and the ball um, is the same as a weighs the same as a bowling ball. And it is literally balanced on this pointy stick, which is your spine. And the reason it doesn't fall off is because it's held together by ligaments. Now, ligaments in me are like tight ropes. So it's my brain, my skull is tethered down. So as I'm sitting here talking to you, my skull is um, is being held onto my spine by these tethered ropes. I'm not using any muscles. But in patients with EDS, when they sit up, their ligaments are not as tight or stiff, and so they're more like bungee cords. So the head tends to roll off, and they often complain of like, oh, my my head feels too heavy for my neck. They'll sit with their, um, with their, with their chin in their hand, or they'll sit with their head resting back on the chair, usually by the end of the day. Because in, their, in those cases, since the ligaments aren't doing a good job of holding the head, is the muscles that hold the head in place, and so those these muscles get tired because that's not that's not they're de, what they're designed for. So they start to get tired, and oftentimes you'll find them sitting with their chin on their in their hand, or you know, with their head resting on some, on the back of a cushion, uh, sorry, a couch or something. These are called tension type headaches. Um, now, <clears throat> oftentimes a neck brace will uh, help a neck brace what it does is it takes the weight of the head off and transfers it directly to the to the collarbones and the upper part of the chest so it takes gives the neck a freedom of um, not carrying the weight of the head oftentimes it helps that um, tmj 
or temporomandibular joint dysfunction. This is the joint where your jaw is connected in front of your ears. Um, that joint is is a is a loose joint to start with. Everybody has has them. They're loose, and most people, even without EDS, they're the joint subluxes a lot. And but the problem is not the joint. The problem is a lot of them clench their teeth a lot, and clenching happens either you're stressed or you're uh, in pain or you're um, very cold, so, or you're pulling something, pushing something, whatever. So they clench a lot. And some sometimes they do it subconsciously. They even do it at night. Now, the clenching muscles or the grinding muscles are the ones on the side of the head. They're above your ear and also on the, on the jaw uh, towards the back below the ear. These are your grinding muscles or your clenching muscles, and they get tired. And it's easy to detect that. All you have to do is pal you put your thumb on it and you roll it around and you'll feel these painful knots. That's where their pain is coming from. Oftentimes, these people have a headache which is more on the sides of their head. <clears throat> and it's often they'll have it in the morning. Uh, they'll wake up in the morning and have this headache because they've been clenching all night. Um, <clears throat> Blurry vision, and the other reason for headaches is, well, the treatment for temporomandibular joint dysfunction pain that is clenching is obviously to stop clenching, which is extremely hard to do because it's a subconscious maneuver. But if you're conscious about your clenching all the time, you you like make yourself aware about it, then that helps. Um, if you've already gotten into that, if you've, if you've already gotten into that realm domain where your muscles have already become tight and painful, then a series of uh, injections into the muscle, like just some numbing medicine, the called trigger point injections can help. Or um, you can do a massage. You put your thumb into your, like you put your thumb in the in your cheek and then you put your finger, index finger outside and you sort of massage that muscle. First put some heat over it on the side of your face. And then when the muscle becomes nice and warm and soft, then you can massage it. Or if all else fails, then you can they can try Botox injections into these muscles, which works alarm, which works really well. Um, other reasons for having headaches is POTS. Classically, these headaches are they get worse when they stand, but doesn't really go away when they lie down. It, it gets a little better when it goes when you lie down. But these are classically associated with POTS. So they are they also get lightheaded at the same time. They have palpitations. And these are POTS headaches. Um, <clears throat> and the treatment, of course, is POTS. And when we talk about POTS, we can talk about the treatment for POTS. But the, this would be a POTS headache. There's another headache that comes on with standing up, and that is a CSF leak headache. Now, CSF leak headache is is a whole different animal. This is where... Remember, we talked about the fluid where your brain is floating around. They develop a leak. It's a closed compartment, supposed to be a closed compartment, but sometimes it develops a little leak. And what happens is because of the leak, the pressure inside the head drops down. And when it drops down, literally, I mean, actually on an MRI, they look for something called boggy brain. It's so the brain settles down and it looks like it's a boggy, boggy brain. brain? Yeah, I know it sounds sounds awful, but it's it is 
It is something. It, it is a is term. It, does it refer to like it's like a bog, like a swamp, like or it, there's. No, the brain is all oh, okay. sagged down. Okay. I actually, I think the term should be the correct term should be mm-hmm. saggy brain. But um, anyway, um, so so what's happening is that the, because the pressure inside the skull and the spine drops down, the brain sort of weighs down. And they have a classical, this is, we're talking about CSF leak headaches. So their headaches get worse when they stand. I mean, they get really bad headaches when they stand com- compared to POTS where the headache might not be as bad. But this in CSF leak headache, when they stand, it's awful. Um, most patients will describe it as something that they have never felt before. But when they lie down, it goes away completely. I mean, it goes down to zero. And that's a CSF leak headache. Now, why would somebody have a CSF leak headache? One is, of course, if somebody sticks a needle in your back, like doing a spinal, for whatever reason, that'll start a leak. Or you just had back surgery, and then that'll result in a leak. And people with EDS are very prone to having a CSF leak from a needle puncture. Even the small needle will cause a puncture headache. It's called a post-dural puncture headache. Um, but there is a group of patients with EDS who have no punch, no needles being stuck in, no surgery, and will still develop a leak. And that's it's so that so that's called a CSF leak headache, obviously. So it can be you may have no reason for having a leak, or you may have a reason where they put a needle or did surgery. So oftentimes these headaches are low pressure headaches they're called low pressure headaches and the treatment is um fairly easy i mean they can um there are many steps to it they can do what is called an epidural blood patch so they draw some blood and they do an epidural and they push this blood in there and it stops the leak Um, some centers will inject a compound called a called a fibrin which then also closes the leak. Um, it's like a glue. So they they inject that. Um, but while you're having the having a CSF leak headache, something that you can do for yourself is to put an abdominal binder on. So just get one of those corset-like thingies and tighten your belly, and that'll help for the time being. Um, Taking more caffeine may help. Drinking more fluids may help. But these are temporary solutions. But the real solution is eventually to close the hole. Uh, If it is after surgery and the hole isn't closing up, then they may have to go back in and actually close the hole surgically. Um, So there's another type of headache that comes from exactly the opposite reason where there's an increase in the pressure inside the head and so it looks like your head is going to explode and it feels like that like the head feels so tight and there's a pressure in it and classically when these patients cough or laugh or have a bowel movement the headache gets worse they'll feel this like an ow like an ow experience like ouch they laughed and then they get this ouch experience, like this sharp shooting pain in their head, often because of increased pressure in their head. 
if it stays on too long, then they can see changes in their eye. And I've had this argument with neuro, neuro, neurologists oftentimes. Um, I'll, I'll say like, look, this patient has a high pressure headache. And they'll say, but, but the eye exam was normal. I said, yeah, you don't want eye exam. You don't want to wait that long for changes in the eye to happen. You have to get to it before the pressure, the increased pressure damages their eyes. Um, so I don't really recommend that. Um, but it's worth getting an eye exam, obviously. Now, here's the kicker. So you have high pressure headaches. Uh, we call that intracranial hypertension. And then you have the low pressure headaches from the CSF leak. Now, a patient can have both um, at the same time. And this is commonly seen in EDS. This is the reason why I say that patients with EDS drive me nuts. Because when I think, when I think that I've learned everything I need to know about it, all of a sudden something else crops up. And this is one of those things. So they can have a high pressure headache and a low pressure headache at the same time. What happens is they have a high pressure headache and the pressure inside the head is so high that it develops a leak somewhere, almost like a release valve. And they start to leak and it relieves their headache. And then the, valve, the hole closes up you know, naturally and then the pressure starts to increase again. So they go through the cycle of high pressure headaches and low pressure headaches. So one of the things to be careful about before you decide to get a, you know, like a treat a low pressure headache with a with a with with a blood patch or something like that is to make sure that you don't have a high pressure headache because if you do have a high pressure headache, you're just going to make it worse by closing that hole. That hole is actually helping you. So patients can have both high pressure and low pressure headaches. Um, then of course, there's a craniocervical instability that can cause um, headaches also. The, usually these headaches are in the back of the head. Um, Chiari malformation is also in the back of the head. And so is craniocervical instability where the neck is unstable. And again, like remember I told you this incidence where your neck is unstable and it can't hold the head up anymore. And so the muscles come into play and the muscles get tired and then you're, mm -hmm. you start to have a headache. So in summary, these are the reasons why people have headaches, uh, why people with EDS have headaches. Um, and it's really, and that's where it's important to get a really good history from patients and say like, okay, which of these is the reason why this patient has a headache or which of these conditions, it could be more than one, have a headache and start treating them accordingly. Not all bad headaches are migraines. Not all headaches are because of increased hypertension. Um, so <clears throat> this is something to look at. Now, oh, before I forget, I forgot to tell you the reason for increased hypertension. <clears throat> why does the pressure inside the head increase? One I told you was carry malformation. So the brain plugs the hole uh, at the bottom of your skull. The, the CSF pressure increases because there's no place to go. The other reason is that there's a vein in the blood. So we know that blood, the amount of blood that goes into your skull is uh, has to be the same as the amount of blood coming out of the skull. That has to be equal. Now, if there is a narrowing of one of the veins in the head, 
That means the amount of blood going into the head is not the same as the blood coming out. And so the pressure inside the head increases. And that's called venous stenosis or narrowing of one of the venous sinuses. They can detect that by doing what's called an MRV. It's a it's a dye they inject into the vein and then they look at the flow in the brain and then they can figure out where the narrowing is. And once they find out, they can put a little stent in it. It's not brain surgery. They do it through the groin or something. They go in there and snake a little uh, thingy um, that goes up to that vein and it puts a, put a little stent in there. So <clears throat> this is in brief the types of headaches that patients with EDS have and the solutions to them. Yes, thank you for going through that in such detail. Um, so much of that spoke to me and um, I, your, the, your explanation of the spine and the head being like a bowling ball um, kind of balancing on a, a long um, pole is is very apt and it it's interesting to think about that how the ligaments are um, you know more like bungee cords and so you can just very easily visualize if you tried to use bungee cords to put a bowling ball on top of um, a pole that was the same width of the spinal cord um, I, I doubt it would stay on very well and so that's that's really useful. And this is so much detailed background. Um, and so thank you so much for going through that in detail, because I know it's really complicated. Um, and and good for you for making those observations and noticing that interaction and that seemingly paradoxical finding that patients can have both high and low pressure headaches. And you really need to be able to, you know, un- again, this goes back to the point you've made several times, which I think, you know, bears repeating because it's so important that really figuring out the true nature of what's going on is really key because in EDS, I agree, it's like what you said. I also feel like, oh, I've learned a lot. I kind of have a good general sense. And then there's always another door. There's always another perspective or treatment or issue that can come up. And so I think it's it's so amazing that you've put in this work to be able to see all these issues in, in such context. So... Perry, I wasn't joking about the bowling mm-hmm. ball thing. Our head does weigh the same yep. as a bowling ball, yep. 11 pounds. Yep. And when I've seen... Yeah. Well, mine is a lot less than a bowling ball because I just have one brain cell working no, at any no, time. No. Mine is more like a more like a, a, a soccer <laughs> no. ball. But, but yeah, the average head weighs about 11 pounds. And... Um, which you know, for those who have done bowling, it's pretty yes. it's pretty heavy, and imagine that being balanced on a on a on a spine, and enough so that you can move your head around in all sorts mm-hmm. of directions, and still maintain it from stopping it stopping mm-hmm. it from falling down. That's that's a feat Absolutely. of engineering. Yeah, and it reminds me, um, I went and saw a provider a few years ago, and he showed me a chart of. I think it, I think I'm getting this right, but my, with my memory, I'm never perfect. But the basic idea was, I think like every 10 degrees you lean your head forward is like the equivalent of an additional, I think he said like, like additional 10 pounds on those back muscles, because when the angle gets off. And so if you think about it, you think about that bowling ball, you could maybe get it tethered with bungee cords to a pole if you were really delicate and there was no w- strong wind or something going by. But if you think of then trying to move that bowling ball forward while still bungeed, 
um, you can see how the weight gets imbalanced really, or you can imagine how the weight gets imbalanced really easily. And a lot of us, yeah, I related to so many of the things you were saying. I, I very often have to rest my head in my hands or just fully lay down because it, it just feels like my head's too heavy for my body. And starting to, you know, I, I try to be more conscious of my posture because I know the more my head goes forward, you know, the more problematic all of that can get. So I think it was an incredibly useful description and kind of an overview, but but a detailed overview um, of the different types of issues with the head. That's all for this episode of the Hypermobility Happy Hour. Thanks so much to Dr. Pradeep Chopra for joining this extended interview. And feel free to like and subscribe if you want to catch the rest of this interview in its additional segments. Thanks for joining us today. See you next time. Bye.